Welcome to episode 41 of BoardWars.eu, your bi-weekly podcast about Star Wars Imperial Assault, a miniatures game by Fantasy Flight Game. This time with a special guest from the far north. News started about, uh, at about 8 minutes and 30 seconds. A tournament rules update and the announcement of Wave 9 is being talked about. Game discussion focuses on the Nemesis class tag and the new companions in Jabba's realm and starts at around 31 minutes. Preparation for the Vassal tournament are in full swing and Yepa did play a lot of practice games with the new scoring rules. More on that and a few early opinions on Jabba's Realm campaign at 1 hours and 17 minutes. Jabba's Realm also brought a downpour of new community content that ranges from Vassal plugins to articles uh, reviewing deployment cards. More on that at 1 hour and 37 minutes. I think this is a first, but in rules clarifications, we again talk about the four-player map from Jabba's Realm. After this discussion at uh, 1 hour and 44 minutes, you should be good to go. If you like our content, please consider supporting us on patreon.com slash bweu. We really appreciate it. Have fun with the show! Welcome, listeners, to another episode of our BoardWars.eu podcast. This time, we probably have the best and greatest and most amazing show ever, since really great stuff happened in the past uh, two and a half weeks since we last recorded. Not only did we, did I and also Jeppe get our boxes of Jabba's Realm, but also Fancy Flight had some interesting news for us. But first, let's go over our special guest today. Before I introduce Jeppe, because uh, we have on our show today um, someone you might know from the forums because he's very active there, and you might know him from some very high-profile threads about action res- re- resolution and timing stuff. So, with no further ado, Pazi, how are you doing? Yeah. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, so you are from Finland, right? Yes. Is it, how much light do you get this time of year? Uh, not much, but uh, it's already getting. The day is getting already longer and longer. Okay, that's fine. Is it is it as cold as as, as it is in Vienna? Uh, yesterday it was minus five, but today it's plus five. Oh, that's actually a bit warmer than here. So <laughs> I, maybe I need to move further north. <laughs> okay, so you will joining. You will be joining us today and. Maybe have some insight on campaign stuff and uh, also about some rules clarification and general insight on the game. Because many people know you probably from the forums where you go by the nickname Albert. Is this correct? Where is this coming from, actually? Uh, It's from uh, my very old uh, demo group. We made some uh, Commodore 64 and uh, Big 20 demos back in the days. Oh, okay. Sometime in the 80. 84 or so. Oh, okay. So I needed, I needed some nickname, and it has stayed with me. Hey, that's that's nice. Okay, and to not forget, we also have Jeppe on the line. Jeppe, how are you doing? Good evening. I'm good. So so what's the temperature in, in the Netherlands? Temperature? Yep. It, I don't know. I mean, <sighs> we have minus, minus 7 in Vienna, plus 5 in Finland. Rumor has it that it's winter. <laughs> I get it. I take it you don't like the cold. <laughs> Actually, it's quite the reverse. Um, 
I, uh, having migrated south uh, by about a thousand kilometers or a little bit less, I often uh, miss the winters. But of course, the winters I miss are not even the winters they have in Denmark these days. But here in the Netherlands, it's uh, even more boring to have winter because it's basically just one long fall with gray weather, yeah. rain and wind. But yeah. we had something resembling, I think, the white stuff, what do you call it? It's. I think it's snow. Yeah, we had it. Too. The thing from Hearth. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've seen it in the in the in the Hearth. Yeah, the Empire Strikes Back. We had some of that. Um, I think for at least five minutes this winter at some point. <laughs> or maybe um, it was uh, maybe it was five hours, but that was maybe the total extent of it. Okay, so we had a little bit more of that, maybe five days or so, but nothing more than that. Okay, so uh, with our guests, we go over to a little bit, a little bit of cleanup. Uh, the tournament is on the way. Um, we ha- I have locked down the roster, actually. Maybe I can open up the, the roster for the EU and US groups now, uh, for those of you watching on YouTube. So we have, for the EU, we have 16 participants. I mean, that's that's uh, preliminary participants, because some of the guys still need to send in uh, army lists, and if they don't, they will be kicked from the group. But they still have some time to do that. And in the US, we have actually 23 uh, participants. So both groups will be running for five weeks, after which we'll do a cut from the top two and then have a, a battle between Europe and US to see who's advancing to the final and who's the ultimate champion of the Board Wars 26, 2017 winter, winter tournament. So it'll be exciting, especially since the first few games will be starting uh, in the next week. So someone's writing here. Okay, I don't know the owner of the. Uh, okay, that was a printed wrong. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh, for those of you not on YouTube, <laughs> uh, we have our show notes, and all three of us can access them and write stuff in there. And at our cleanup stage, I have written something down about the tournament details, and that we will be using, of course, the Anchorhead Bar or Anchor Anchorhead Cantina, as it called as it is called now. And we'll be using a 90-minute round time and whatever, so all the details, that's not really important anymore. Uh, but also, uh, someone found out that the Anchorhead Cantina is actually, uh, it's printed wrong. Um, and some one of, the, one of the tiles listed in the tile list is actually wrong, and you need to find the, the correct tile. I mean, the, the, the map of the, of, the, uh, of the mission is correct. It's just a list in the in the bottom of which tiles you need to build it is wrong, and I'm not sure. Does any one of you know which tile is actually uh, incorrect? Have you built it? Any of you? Because I haven't. <laughs> no, but uh, I think it was uh, 22B or something. I don't okay. remember. I know. I know when that I, when I build maps, I tend to actually not use. I think the number system in the bottom of the page are excellent, but I tend to just recognize them by how they look and then yeah, fetch them out. Too, yeah. And I think it's typically what goes wrong with the maps is one of the small tiles somewhere where they put the wrong number in, yeah. but it's evident what you need. Unless yeah. you left home with only the number at once and didn't actually That's build bad, it yeah. and test it. You should, you should you should try to build it at home first, right? So I know uh, if you if you're really interested in this, uh, the uh, one of our friends, Royal Rich, who has the new, who has a new skirmish YouTube channel, he is actually Since last summer, I think. Yeah, yeah, new under under quotation marks. So, um, 
he has a in the first uh, game they play on the Anchorhead Cantina. He specifically mentions which tile is incorrect and which tile is actually the one you need to replace it. So if you want to have the information from him, then just go on the on the YouTube page or the YouTube channel we linked last time in the show notes, or I will maybe link it this time too. Whatever. So uh, that's it for cleanup, and I wanted to go over it quite fast because we have some amazing news for you and I think Yep will take us through it. So go ahead. And welcome to the Board Wars News, where we savor old news as the Dutch savor old cheese. We have a number of entries for you, and um, let's start with the January update to the FAQ and the tournament regulations. It's an article you can find on the official webpage, and it came out a week or two ago. Um, there was a little bit of uh, confusion when it was first released, because um, there's actually no new FAQ for... Imperial Assault, but uh, we hope to see one in the near future. Um, but this was basically an article that is listing all the new FAQs for all the games. What's maybe more significant, and the reason for this to be pushed out, is that there are also new tournament regulations for all the different games that Fancy Flight does tournaments with. Um, and we'll have a look at those, and then we'll get back to the uh, FAQ, or the lack thereof, in a moment. So, uh, with the new tournament rules, there are a couple of changes. I think some of them are just um, small and formal and something about wording. Um, there are three things that I think are substantial, starting with the maybe less important, is that there's a added some new passages. Like they, A year ago or so, they added all these different roles at a tournament between organizers, marshals, judges, players, spectators, and and, uh, so on. And um, you'd think that would sort of cover it, but they've added more uh, passages to that. And um, funnily enough, one of the issues is one I didn't think would be relevant, but I saw people discussing it in a X-Wing context very recently, whether something was all right or not. And basically... A large part of these tournament regulations are the same across all their games. So now they've updated them. They've updated them a little bit more about uh, what your role is as a judge, both when you're actively being asked to judge, but also when you're just hanging around. Um, And then they've also uh, clarified that if you see something happening that's a breach of the rules, then you are welcome to ask for a a referee or a judge, uh, even if you're not participating in that game. And that's the new edition. Which I think um, some players might not be happy with that. Because I, I, yes. I, know, I, know, I know some players are pretty uh, pretty adamant that only the, the players participating in the match can can play the match. So it's it, it's yeah. it, it, they, don't, they really dislike outside influence. So The thing is, I, I, I find the atmosphere is very different. Um, though both of them are generally very friendly and casual between, for instance, X-Wing and Imperial Assault, because the Imperial Assault is so much smaller and less in, uh, formal and and uh, few yeah, people and less, less competitiveness. Um, and I could see, and that oh, this was something I saw discussed in an X-Wing uh, uh, context, I, I can see why it's sort of... Uh, uh, but the thing is, um, despite playing both of these games and Amada, it's very rarely that I don't think I've ever called on a judge um 
and it's very rarely that I see other people do it. So, I but I think that might also be different from the community where you are because I I do know that some places it's it's more uh, it's more common than others. Uh, but anyway, now it's stressed out that uh, you are uh, allowed to call upon the judge even though you're not one of the players participating. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see how that can swing either way and, and create situations that are maybe uh, not ideal. But it's now in the rules at least, so if anyone was in question or not, uh, you can look it up there. More interesting, I believe, is that um, the second of the three substantial changes is that there's been a rotation of the uh, current maps, and that means that the Nilvarian War Zone has now been cycled out. Uh, so bye-bye to... Um, the map we got with Leia, and instead we've got now the Angerhead Cantina, the formerly Angerhead Bar, that uh, Stefan just mentioned, and which is also the reason why we have it in uh, in our upcoming Vessel Tournament, because it was speculated in advance that this map might be rotated in, because it seems like they have some sort of, in the rotation, keeping a map from a mercenary pack, and one from a rebel pack, and one from an imperial pack. And with Leia going out, they're now drawing in the map that I believe came with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So, uh, so which yes, one was the, which one would be the next to leave the pool? Was it the, the Coruscant land- Landfill? The- um, or the ISB headquarters. Actually, I was suddenly in doubt, but I do believe it's the Coruscant landfill. Okay. Which I don't feel I've played that much on, to be honest. But um, but still, it's maybe yeah, different the, than in. It was a bit around it, the time where the where the releases weren't that consistent. So it, I mean, maybe it was swapped in late. But it's still it it will be it will be in rotation for at least another month or two or three maybe so yeah i i know back in the day for instance the kuat space station i think that it had a bit of uh, notoriety and i think there was a sigh of relief and then without for for different reasons yeah um hold on i just need to get rid of the phone <laughs> okay so while yepa uh solves his telecommunication problems i think the the last change he wanted to signify is that um Counting victory points now works a bit differently. Previously, uh, the tournament rules specified, or actually the skirmish rules specified, that each time you defeated the last figure of a deployment card, you got all of the deployment uh, deployment costs of that card as victory points. And this works a bit different now. Uh, Yepa, you're back. You're back. I am. Um, okay. You jump to the next part. Yeah, I I, I started with how okay. things were counted in the past. So yes, how yes. how is this new stuff gonna work? So so the changes were that where you had to completely remove a deployment card, you don't actually at any point score the total uh, deployment cost of a card unless it's a one figure card. Now instead, what you score is when an individual figure from that card is defeated. Then you get the point or the point cost of that figure, and that's probably also why we've seen. I think it was first introduced with Bespin, or at least that was when the rules. Yeah, uh, I think it was Bespin. Yeah, snippet was added about how to calculate figure cost. Um, so if it's a one-figure deployment card, when the one figure is defeated, you get the, the point uh, values of the entire card because it only had one figure. But otherwise, it's 
it, it's uh, the um, smaller number you see to, to the right of the deployment uh, cost, that which is also sometimes used as reinforcement cost in the campaign, for instance. That's now the number of points you score when you kill a unit. Um, and that means that you could potentially have your opponent gaining either more or fewer points for killing all the figures in one of your groups than you actually paid for it. Because sometimes there are uneven groups that might have a total value of seven, but the individual figures might be only worth three, or with some other groups they might be worth four. So if you add the two figures in a two-person group, where there are three, it would be a value of six, or if it was four, it would be a value of eight. So it it um, doesn't align perfectly with the price that you paid to actually field these in your skirmish list. Um, there's one thing that's still linked to finishing off a group, and that is if you have any attachments to it, you only score the points for that the moment you uh, remove the group entirely. Then you score the points for the attachment that was linked to the group. Which is, of course, consistent consistent with, with how it works, works before, because before you didn't get any points before you, you removed the entire group. Now you yep. get the skirmish attachment points after you remove the entire group. So I yeah. think that's it should be quite logical to handle it this way. Now, um, what caused the most discussion when this was out, I think, despite the impacts of, or besides the impact of what this would mean, would be how to specifically uh, read into reinforcements, how they work. And reinforcements is, of course, the cards where you, the classic where you get your troopers back onto the map after they've been uh, defeated. And it wasn't helped by the fact that it seems that the the rule update we saw when it was released was maybe not the final edition. And a few days later, we then got a, uh, a, a reverted version that basically makes it clear that if you kill a unit that is then reinforced, you use uh, strain tokens to uh, keep an eye on the scores. Basically, what the new rules are telling us to do is to not just put, put the defeated figures aside, but put them onto the deployment card. I think actually a lot of uh, tournament players were already doing that to see which cards were closer to being uh, destroyed or not. But now they ask you to keep the defeated figures on the cards as a way to keep account of how many points you scored. But also if you reinforce a figure, you put a strain token on that deployment card, which means that when the figure is destroyed or uh, defeated rather, again, um, it's adding another uh, number of points to, to your score depending on, on the figure cost uh, for those figures. So an elite Stormtrooper group would be Maybe even worth not nine points, but uh, what's twelve, fifteen points if you if it would be re reinforced twice and then defeated yes, as a yes, whole. So yes. it would be five stormtroopers per uh, with three points each. So yes, but I still th I mean there's been a lot of uh, discussion about whether this hits troopers too much because there may be other things introduced uh, in in later things that also hit the trooper lists a bit but i still think there's uh, there's a lot to be said for using reinforcements because even though you put points in that you can lose you're also putting a figure in that can kill your opponent and uh, that's uh, that's worthwhile i think the argument argument is right now that um, some people think that single trooper figures are their attacks are too weak to get through the sometimes high defense values of now more viable single figure cards so this would be uh, why they i mean that's that's how i feel and i think s some people on the forums also uh think this that it's 
Um, if you redeploy a single trooper with uh, reinforcements, the effect you have with this figure on a uh, on a single figure card, like let's say the Inquisitor or other cards, it's not that impactful as it was previously. And for two points um, in command points and a slot in your command deck, it. It would be, it's certainly not a card that you would include in every single trooper card list, so at least not that I can see, so. Uh, maybe not, and I mean, I I used to play troopers or partly trooper lists for quite a bit and enjoyed it very much, but I'm not particularly worried. I think the reinforcement cards will still be be useful. I'm much more interested in the greater, what it, this does to the game on a sort of overall level and um, what I've noticed so far from already not actually from tournaments but playing quite a few games where we've been using the new uh, point scoring is that you now have to think in smaller increments because before it was you had the interesting dilemma of whether to go for the last figure from a deployment card basically because it gave you points on your score whereas it might not be the biggest threat on the map or the most uh, important thing to get out of your way uh, that's no longer the issue, uh, and the points sort of slowly increase by smaller increments, but it also means that, in a, in a sense, they increase faster, because every time something is killed, you get points. So I think it'll probably lead to to, to tournament games being a bit faster, and maybe fewer of them going to time. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, that, that, that. I think that totally depends on if more people uh, are fielding now bigger units, like bigger single-figure units, like, like I said, the Inquisitor, like Boba Fett or, mm. or other Bosk or something. Bosk was already good before that, but he's even better now. So if more people uh, focus on the on these more high-health single-figure deployments, games could even drag out longer because you, you're not generating that much more victory points through control and you're also not giving up uh, points that easily. So it could be that it's... But maybe that's also uh, too far in one direction, what I'm thinking. So. It, I think it, uh, it's funny you should say that, because I have a point on it, but actually I think I'll uh, return to that when we talk play experiences later in the podcast. Yeah. But just say that um, I had the same idea, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to play test um, uh, this uh, at its sort of most extreme. So basically I, I played quite a few games with only three figures, um, and I'll get back to that when we talk play experiences. But, um, I think in terms of the general, what it does to the, to the game, I think already when the Banther came out, everyone was declaring the trooper lists for dead. And also when I saw new players face a Banther, they got run over. But as people got adaptive strategies how to handle the Banther, suddenly the troopers were still very strong and actually also won worlds without, uh, having mm -hmm. Banthas, at least yeah. in the, in the finals. Um, so I don't think this is necessarily the end of of uh, multi-activation lists, but it's just interesting that it gives us a different way of of thinking of the game and the pace of the game and how you score points. And of course, in the tournament game, e even if you don't play a full game, it's still important to keep an eye on who has the most points by the time time is called, and you you have to finish the round and then uh, yeah. do the tally. Um, I think we just owe to stress that we haven't mentioned this, but this is actually only in the tournament uh, regulations. So as long as we don't have an FAQ as such, um, it's actually separate from non-tournament skirmish at the moment. But 
I would recommend anyone who likes to play skirmish to try this out because it it evens out uh, a number of things and and you can do less shenanigans with hiding one unit and deny your opponent points, which was fun in its own sense, but maybe not as vibrant and and as active as as the new rules really encourage you to be. Yeah. Um, but maybe when the FAQ that we're expecting anytime soon arrives, we will find that they're maybe adding this as a general rule and not just for the for the tournament. Uh, scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of the FAQ, uh, Pazi, are you at liberty to say if there is a new FAQ in the works for a re for a near future release, or is this something that they want to drag out until uh, more questions about Java's Realm have made it into FFG and they can incorporate that? Do you know? Um Yes, I know something, and uh, <laughs> there, <Okay. laughs> there have been quite a lot of Chapas Realm questions already, and uh, some uh, some questions about older things, and uh, mm -hmm. it, it's being worked on. So, okay, but there's no no release plan for now. No, I don't know of, of any dates. Okay. okay, okay. So not not maybe next week or so, but maybe like in a in a few weeks or so. No, we'll see. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I I have so, noticed though yeah. that, uh, and for those who frequent the forums, um, both Board Game Geek and uh, the Fantasy Flight forums, that where it used to be that that uh, the designers would sort of disappear into uh, some sort of uh, big bunker in FFD and and be out of reach for like a month till the storm had come down after a new expansion before they started uh, responding to rules questions that um we're actually we saw already like before even um Java's Realm had landed here in Europe. Uh, we saw that uh, Todd from Fantasy Flight was already answering rules questions. And uh, that's nice to see because I think there are some things that clearly do uh, create questions and it's maybe needed to be able to use all your new fanciful toys. And uh, it's nice that that, uh, that uh, he's taking a, an approach on that um, responding quickly. Though I also understand why sometimes you might want to wait a little time and let things settle, especially for the tournament scene, before you you start uh, issuing sort of blanket uh, yeah. uh, interpretations on on rules questions. For sure, I think yeah. uh, also uh, a lot of questions had piled up, so don't try to clean up the clean up the uh, huge amount of questions that were okay. waiting. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't get I, swamped. <laughs> so so also some chapas around questions were answered due to that. Uh, Cleaning up the mailbox. Okay. Well, I have a list that's steadily growing, so maybe I should start sending it. <laughs> you should. <laughs> <laughs> Questions. I've been. Uh, yeah, I've, I wanted to first wait for the, them to just settle in after uh, Paul Winchester was leaving the company, and and then with Java landing. But now I realise that they are actually responding, so I should start sending uh, more things that they can waste their time on answering. Well, you can send them to me first. <laughs> I might. I might actually. To be honest, I think some of them we probably already discussed in some of the the some various threats uh, on. Don't tempt him. So. <laughs> he will. He will bombard you, Pazzi. <laughs> Don't tempt him. <laughs> okay. So that, those those were the um, those were the tournament rules and the uh, FAQ that's sort of announced but not uh, existing yet, or at least uh, not published yet. Um, I, yeah, I, I, um, I, 
No, I'll get, I'll get back to that later. I'll get back to later. Let's <laughs> yeah, let's let's right. just take. I, I think this, that's something you want to you you want to mention on your play experiences. Let let's let's do that or like general thoughts of some of these okay. changes. But what we what what we should do is the last piece of news, which is despite all this being extremely exciting, especially if you play the skirmish game, obviously, is that uh, now with um, the new toys in our hands, Fancy Flight have released the teaser article for the next sort of in-between wave so it seems like they're falling into a stride where in between the box expansions with campaign they put out a smaller wave with a couple of uh, figure packs and they've announced those and uh, what we have ahead of us is um, three packs one for each faction the rebels will be um, getting Hera, Sundilla, and uh, C110P, uh, also known as Chopper, as an ally pack. And they're out of the uh, TV series, uh, the Star Wars Rebels. And the mercenaries will get a Yava scavenger villain pack, which just makes me incredibly warm and fuzzy. And finally, the Empire will get... Uh, two droids as well, and that is BT1, and uh, I don't know if it's 000 or no, 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 but these two uh, droids are like the evil twins of C-3PO and R2-D2, and I happen to have come across them not long ago in uh, the Darth Vader comic book, which I think is their um, origins. And basically, and befittingly, the, the name of this teaser article presenting them is called Deploy Your Droids. So it seemed that while Hunters and Smugglers was the big theme in the Java Wave, we're now looking at getting a lot of stuff for droids. Um, we will look further into this uh, when they actually start uh, releasing a little bit more material as we start seeing the the, the spoiler articles. But we should just add that uh, Team Covenant have uh, a, a new interview out. It was out yesterday on YouTube, and it looks like they've been sitting on it dutifully since Worlds, and that's it been recorded then. And it's full of more uh, tidbits on what we can expect in this wave, and some of it looks very interesting, including something that might also um, shine up your older droids. Um, yes, you can find that on the Team uh, Covenant, and it's including an entire sort of discussion, I think, on the whole Java Realms uh, rave, and also some interesting uh, perspective on the their thoughts, both on designing these things from the previous wave and the new stuff, as well as uh, some of their thoughts on uh, what they saw in Worlds when they saw their game sort of being played out for the for the second Worlds in the the history of Imperial Assault. Yeah. I don't know if... Oh, see. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is Deploy the Droids, and I think that is where we'll close our news for tonight. Yeah, thank you, Yappa. And I think people should really watch the Team Covenant video, because some of the cards, some of the new cards created quite a discussion about how the future of the game will look like, and also if droids are overpowered now. But we will see that when the when the specific articles come out and we will talk about them at this point. So that was news. We will head on over right to game discussion. And this time, we, uh, this episode, we will talk about the Nemesis class deck as well as the two new companion cards in the Jabba's Realm box. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's write this down. Um, 
this means we will start off with the Nemesis class deck, which is one of the two new class decks you can field as the Imperial player in the Jabba's Realm campaign. I mean, you can use it in other campaigns too, but it's included in the Jabba's Realm box. And if you want to look up some of these cards, all of them are already on our image database, which is cards.boardwars.eu. You can look up all of the cards there if you're listening to the podcast and not the YouTube video. But uh, with that, we will head on over to the first card which of the deck, which reads Powerful Foes. Uh, its effect is you earn one Imperial and one Mercenary villain of your choice. And after choosing open groups, add one earned villain to your hand of open groups. And last but not least, for one threat, deplete this card when you deploy a villain to reduce, reduce its deployment cost by the threat level. So... Um, I mean, it's clear what's going on here. It's This deck should allow you or tries to allow you to uh, use more high-profile single-figure cards that you otherwise would not have access to or would have a hard time deploying to maybe deploy more often during the campaign and also create a sort of mini-narrative for the, for the uh, rebels that they have some some foes that, uh, some recurring foes that are powerful and that are standing in their way and directing the enemy forces. And so I, I really like this deck and I'm, I will play it as a first, um, as the, as my, during my first playthrough through, through the Java's Realm campaign. But, uh, enough about me. Uh, anything you want, you two want to add to powerful foes? Is there anything unclear or so? Because I don't think so. Oh, no, doesn't doesn't seem so. Okay, I so. I think an extension of what you were saying, Stefan. What is really nice is that uh, with every big box for the mini campaign, you get one of the iconic single characters, but then they never really appear again. Uh, yeah. because the game is not it's makes sense that they don't make you dependent on having bought everything up to today to play Diabas Realm or a new expansion but this allows you to take out the good old goodies and uh, bring them into play again and play with the same toys uh, more than once oh, one one thing I can add here is that uh, in the Jabba's Realm campaign you can't can't earn Jabba himself that's true. Yeah, uh, that w- I, I forgot to mention this in the in the campaign itself. You cannot choose uh, Jabba for your Nemesis deck, which is, I mean, it's a bummer because he would be amazing. <laughs> he, he would be absolutely broken in this campaign. But since he's actually, uh, since the story focuses quite quite heavily on Jabba himself, it would be weird having him showing up in in, in missions where he's actually uh, directing you to go to. So it's. It has a reason why he's he can't be chosen to to be uh, to be in your uh, in your team, but uh, it's certainly a bummer for, from a from a power play perspective. So, <laughs> okay. So uh, the weird thing about this deck is that it's the first Imperial class deck that that doesn't have ten but eleven. No, wait, it doesn't have nine but ten cards, right? So the second card is also a card that you get right from the beginning, and it's called Inspirational. Uh, Pazi, you want to go over it? Okay. Inspirational. Exhaust this card when a figure declares an attack to choose a villain on the map or reveal a villain in your open or reserved groups. During this attack, non-villain imperial figures that share a trait with the chosen or revealed villain gain plus one search and plus one evade. 
So, um, first, I think we should clear up what they mean with, re- with revealed. So, typically, the, the game manual tasks you to have your open and reserved groups in your hand as cards, like you would play them in a card game. I don't ever do this, <laughs> but uh, technically you should do it. And I think what they mean with re- reveal is that you take the card out of your hand, put it uh, with the game text face up on the table and say, this is the card I'm I'm showing you now. And this has this and this trait. For instance, like Captain Terror has the trooper trait or the leader trait. And then you can uh, you can have one of your figures with the same trait have attack with plus one search or defend with plus one evade. So this would be, I think that it's a very good card. And but to your point, de- there's and to Sorry. your point, there's actually a new rule segment in Java's realm that tells you what reveals mean. Oh yeah, okay. it because I, it's I also relevant. In the skir- <laughs> it's okay. also relevant in the skirmish game for certain effects that you have to reveal yeah, cards yeah. to your opponent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the skirmish game, you typically have your command cards actually in hand, usually. But for the campaign, the deployment cards, I don't ever take them in hand like a card fan or so. I have them face down because I already know what's in there. So, And you don't draw additional ones. So, But whatever. I think it's a good card. And uh, it certainly depends on which heroes or which villains you choose to include in your team. So, so this certainly has to has to take into account the missions you're going to start out. Especially since this this is the only card at the at the beginning you're probably going to use in the mission. So this is and, and interestingly enough, um, you're probably interested in putting in your villains eventually because a lot of your cards probably play up uh, or off them. But the moment your villain is dead, it's not returned to your hand, so you can actually not use inspiration on a villain that's been on the map and been defeated. Yeah, uh, is this actually true, Parsi? I think so. Right. Yes, uh, yes, it's so no longer, no longer okay. yours. So, okay. but uh, because you can use both open and reserved groups, and uh, you get one extra slot in your open groups, so yeah. you may you may even take one villain just to have him and, yeah, and not, yeah. not deploy him during the mission at all. I think that's I think that's what what they are going with anyway. Because some of the um, some of the, the first missions of campaigns don't even have some villains uh, showing up, like uh, aftermath in the core box. There is no villain deployed th- through a story effect or so. So you need to actually include one of the two chosen he- villains in your hand to make use of inspirational at all. So I think that's that's why they worded it, worded it this way. I think it's interesting that you have to uh, reveal something you have on your hand, and on one hand, it gives the rebels information, but it can also scare the living bejesuses out of them. But, and yeah, what yeah, I typically I did, I played the first mission on Jabba's, and I'm using this deck. Um, I've already made blunders with it, which we can get back to. But but what I did when I showed the card is I, I did something mathematically with, for instance, that they might hear some sound in the background that made them. Uh, sort of aware of this person or creature or thing maybe being uh, I'm going in the to steal that. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, on to the first 1xp card, which is prepare the ambush. Ambush, Yepa, you want to go over it? 
Yes, so it's a 1XP card. It has uh, two separate uh, parts to it, um, and one of them is an exhaust, one of them isn't. And just a reminder that when you have that on a card, you can still use the part of the ability that's not linked to the exhaust, even though you've exhausted the card. So the first ability, the exhaust one, is when it's your turn to activate a group, you may exhaust this card instead of activating a group which uh, makes more sense when I actually add the title, and that is Prepare the Ambush. So this allows you to stall, which I think is an amazing thing to be able to do. Um, the second part is, at the start of its activation, each figure in the first Imperial group to activate each round gains two movement points. So two parts of it. The first part, which is exhaust, is that you can stall. The other part is that whatever group you activate first, you get more movement points on, which is also awesome. Yeah, it's certainly mission dependent on if you can use the exhaust part very effectively, or if you maybe can uh, have the rebels if if they cleared on uh, cleared out, out all of your your figures, or almost all of your figures, then or you can for maybe force them to um, to do some objectives, and then you get deployments during the round, and then you have maybe an action advantage. But other than that. I wouldn't take this at the at the first opportunity, even though the two movement points from the second ability certainly aren't aren't uh, that bad. I, I just think the the first effect isn't that well. I I haven't bought it yet, but that's actually not because I don't think it's a nice card. It's because I think it's more valuable when you're further in the campaign. Because the yeah, thing is, true. once you've got powerful nemesis and you have the threat to put them in, or just powerful units in general, you will sometimes be in a situation where you get more out of your unit if some of the rebels have to move first because they ideally have to move towards you to get to the objective. Yeah. And and this way you can just, instead of wasting your action, you can either force your, your uh, rebels to waste actions by not running towards the objective, or they go towards it but also get within the field of operations of the nemesis you have uh, waiting for them. Yeah, and also I think, it's it's worth. Sorry, go ahead, Pansy. Yeah, I I also think that uh, once the or if if the rebels uh, win some allies, then this this is a very good card because uh, yeah yeah because uh, it, because just having an chip uh, well just having an ally in the game will will uh, will be very powerful. Yeah, because it because changed the ex- the activation economy changes yeah. because of it. Yeah. Yeah, because usually when you have an ally on the board, they get the last two activations back to back. I mean, most of the time, or even three activations back to back. And this is, you cannot react anymore, which this card might be able to avoid a bit. And it's certainly worth noticing that the first effect, I, I just thought of this. You don't have, I, I, when I first read this card, I thought the first effect has to be used on the first group you want to activate, but you can use it on any any time during the round, so it doesn't yeah. have to be uh, the first group you activate. So de- delaying at the front, but you can also delay the last, the last activation of uh, of you to towards after the heroes moved fully. So it's certainly in this light, it's it's better than I I thought it would be. But <laughs> I I often find one of the dilemmas when you deploy at uh, the end of a round as the imperial player, you have the dilemma of on one hand wanting to deploy so your units are in kind of a you'd call an operational distance from where you where the heroes are but on the other hand by you doing that you also give them an excellent opportunity to defeat your figures before they get tagged yeah and the two extra movement points 
or being able to be further away and just stall for time. I think both really lends itself to sort of the same kind of uh, gameplay in different yeah. manners. Okay, on to the second 1xp card, which is Fearsome Presence. It reads, exhaust this card at the end of your activation. Each rebel figure adjacent to an imperial figure with a figure cost equal or equal to or greater than a threat level suffers one strain for each activation token he has. And this is also, I think this is pretty much a filler card. You won't use it uh, that often in the first few missions. I mean, it's it's certainly powerful in the mid part of the campaign where you have even smaller units that are more expensive than than the uh, threat level. Like say, if you have Ocean Hunters and you you are still at threat level two, then every every any every ally or every uh, hero standing next to Ocean Hunter also receives another strain. So it's it could be good but it's certainly geared towards using it with um, unique villain figures like most of the time terror maybe because he can position himself so he's adjacent to maybe but two or three I, no, I think an important thing you're missing here is that it doesn't need to be the one you activated they just need to be next to any imperial figure I know I know I know but but with with terror you can use it proactively you can move into their ranks yeah, yeah. Present, uh, uh, position yourself so that you are adjacent to two or three rebels, and then activate it, and you are giving out strain like no man's business. So uh, it's certainly very good, and uh, but it's I th- like I said, I, I wouldn't take it at first. I mean, during the campaign, it's just a very great filler card if you have some some way to to get in nexus that uh, or elite nexus that maybe jump into into fray and then exhaust this card and so it's, it's certainly a good card in in certain circumstances but right out, right out of the first mission I wouldn't buy it I think it would uh, combo well with uh, prepare the ambush but uh, both are one XP cards so yeah you then you probably don't <laughs> you probably don't get both I, I heard a good phrase for that for that recently. We're getting into the territory where we have to buy bad cards to make other bad cards good. So, <laughs> no, I, I did not buy this one with the measly 1 XP I earned for losing the first the mission, but I actually regret it because um, I'm still at threat level 2 and I think it's very... I mean, all my figures are... are uh, are able to do this and I would love to especially early on when all the figures are next to each other with my first activation to move and attack and instead of trying to move away and not be able to get far enough away anyway to avoid being killed I I could move in and be sure that every single hero takes a strain and if uh, if all the rebels take a strain we're talking four strain I mean this is we're almost in uh, subversive tactics territory here um so I regret a bit not uh, taking it. Um, yeah, if you lose the first mission, it might be good to take it, especially if you are um, playing a campaign where you are after the first mission you have two side missions going on, and I mean, uh, one of them will be threat level two, and one of them will be threat level three. But in both side missions, you get double threat level. You can deploy it the first round, and so you can get around this uh, very easily and deploy Nexus and whatnot. So. It might be good in the uh, as a as a as a as a purchase you have to take if you lost the first mission. So 
But I also think even if you don't have a big figure that can be next to a lot, if you're activating a group with two or three figures and they attack, they true. can almost always get next to uh, one or more um, of the heroes. And it actually seems to, because it's figures and not heroes, so it would actually also do damage to uh, to allies if they uh, join the heroes. Actually, no, because it says it talks about activation tokens. And, oh, uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yes. So that is, just, the, that just, is the bit, yeah. Just yeah. a small mistake there. That's true, but and that, of course, is the way to level out the playing field if you're playing against uh, fewer than four. Yeah, but I mean, the rebel figures would be a hero. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so on to the next card, which is Ringleader. Pazi, it's your turn. Ringleader, attachment, villain only. At the start of your activation, you gain two movement points. And uh, then there is another ability. While an adjacent friendly figure is attacking, apply plus one accuracy and plus one damage to the attack results. And that's two XP. This is okay if you are taking Greedo in your party, I think. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's only it's only worthwhile to take it if you are de- if you plan on deploying uh, villains at all. And I think the other two XP card is vastly better as a first purchase, but um, I can see it being pretty good. I mean, it gives Greedo and the uh, Inquisitor an effective speed of seven. Which is amazing. They can both use it. <laughs> I think so. it's amazing on any uh, melee character. So also the Royal Guard champion or Vader. Yeah. Busco yeah. has, uh, has not only does he have a limited range, uh, he's also very interested in not using actions on movement, so he can do both his uh, his uh, yeah. his tricks. Attack and the indiscriminate fire. And of course, together with. Speaking of maybe not bad cards <laughs> needed to make each other work, but two decent cards making each other even better. So if you have ringleader and prepare the ambush, you suddenly have uh, four free movement points. That's true. And if the, you want the, to be mobile. And the bottom ability, uh, what do you think about Sorin and the bottom ability? Yeah, oh, I think on Soren or on Soren or uh, Kane Somers, it's interesting. But the thing is, I've gotten so spoiled with playing them with the advanced com upgrade in skirmish, where they increase their agency to three spaces. That I I considered them for the campaign because I really like them, and I, especially Soren, I I think is so funny in skirmish right now. But I don't know if I could adjust to having to be adjacent again. Sorry, that's it, troopers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I've been playing uh, playing around with a bit, and it's hilarious. We need um, the com systems upgrades as an as an let's say as an agenda card or, for the yeah. for reward or agenda yeah. card for the imperial player because that's yeah. really needed for both, I think. Yeah. Okay, on to the next card. Yep, you're yes. the leader now. I am on the leader. Two XP. Exhaust this card while an Imperial figure is attacking the healthy hero who has suffered the least damage. Apply plus two damage to the attack result. So it's basically a two free damage um, once around, but you cannot choose freely which target. And I think this mirrors something we're seeing elsewhere with this wave that uh, the Imperial figure or Imperial player is getting stuff that can uh, sort of increase your search damage. Like, not search as a game mechanic, but like... um, uh, yeah, spike, spike damage, damage think, yeah. um, but it it um, requires you to to 
shoot at the one that's taking the least damage. But I still think it's worthwhile. You just need to be the first shot in the in the work you're going to do to to bring that uh, rebel insurgent down. Uh, this is sort of uh, focus. focus. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a bit like the one you got with uh, uh, military might. Um, so of course. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that the I mean, it's it's even better than show of force because uh, I'm on the leader. You can exhaust while attacking, which means you you can see if the attack maybe doesn't get deflected by a dodge, yeah, or uh, maybe if, if if it doesn't get deflected by a free block, a roll on a black die. Uh, so it's more flexible, and you can you can play with with it more more strategically. But also the plus two damage. Uh, in the early stages of the campaign, this is pretty much. But later on, when the when the rebels have more uh, opportunity and more ways to to get rid of damage and get rid of strain, especially, this isn't that good anymore. I mean, it's I, I'm certainly I'm probably taking this card as my first purchase because it's so strong early on. But I don't think that. I mean, it, it can it can tip over if you are deploying your your villain late in the campaign, your your large or your more expensive villain. Then maybe you can one one hit one of the the smaller uh, heroes that you ignored before. So you that's that might be might be what you're shooting for. So I think one of the beautiful things in the campaign is that you don't necessarily have to defeat a hero to force the heroes to change their strategy. Because if you yeah. bring someone close enough, they suddenly have to react to it to not lose through all of them getting wounded. Um, yeah. I really like things where it's while attacking, uh, when it's adding damage, because you have more knowledge when you use it. But it's particularly strong when you know that you're close enough to defeat the figure. Um, and that's probably not going to be as uh, common here, unless you have a really hard hitter or some other abilities that make you hit hard enough for you to know that the two can, can flip the figure. But still, I think it's a very good card. It also yeah. helps uh, you get uh, some uh, conditions through. That's true. That's true. And sometimes that's uh, that's that's all you want uh, because the conditions are really what would wreck the the heroes in the campaign. That's why I'm getting Greedo for my first villain. <laughs> yes, bleed, and I think, especially with the um, what's it called, especially with I'm on the I'm on the leader. He can do amazing work even early in the campaign by distributing bleed, and he gets quite a lot of attacks if you. If you if you do it right, so and his attacks I are have some punch. So so, so uh, regret not having picked Agrido or Dengar <laughs> to my two starting hit because Dengar is like one attack and especially with something like this, one attack and he can put several conditions on a figure which basically locks it down for the rest of a round, if not yeah. more. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so on to the first free XP card, which is Leave Them to Me. It reads, after choosing open groups, add one earned villain to your hand of open groups. And deplete this card when you deploy a villain to reduce that villain's deployment cost by 5. Exhaust that villain's deployment card. So first of all, with this card, this means you can um, include both of your um, chosen villains in your hand, in your open groups at the start of the mission. And also, if you deplete it, you can you can combine the the minus five deployment cost with the first um, card in the in the deck, which is powerful foes, and potentially play a villain for one threat 
ideally, let's say, if it's if it works out. But uh, you also have to then uh, exhaust this deployment card, which which might not be a problem if you're using this in a side mission and deploying him right out of the gate. And the, yeah, the, the rebels need to do stuff anyway. So and your villain is quite strong, so he probably won't be defeated in the first round. So I really, really like this card, and I'm I'm trying to get it as well as second purchase, but I'm I'm fearing that it will take some time for me to get the free XP. I, so I actually have a question here for our uh, uh, our rule sage, and that is some uh, campaign missions say that your open group is none, and whether this, but also the starting ability in this deck, when you add one to your group, if it says none, whether we can still uh, sneak and uh, and villain in. Uh, well, you put me on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know, but I, I would I would say uh, none means zero, so you can still use yeah. this both, both I, the po- powerful foes and and uh, leave them to me. That's my assumption as well, because otherwise you could basically play a mission where you might as well not have any imperial class at all because you can't use your cards. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there is actually a precedent here. Uh, Saska's, uh, Saska's uh, ability that adds uh, a modification slot to a weapon that has no modification slot. That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Uh, so, what I want to add to this is that um, in the Hoth campaign, you are also directed in most side missions to add Dengar to your hand, to your open groups. And. I always read this too that uh, if there are four open groups, I choose four deployment cards and then add the Dengar to to it to this four group. So I would effectively have have five open groups, and I think that's the same logic applied here. So you just you have your hand of open groups, which in some cases might be zero, and then you add your other stuff that's uh, through other card effects. So I think it's quite clear that you can you should be able to use leave them to me. Uh, in in missions where there you don't you would normally not have any open groups. Okay, so next one is punishing force, and it's Pazi's one. Yeah, punishing force for three XP. Exhaust this card while an imperial figure is attacking to reroll any number of attack dice. And then another ability: ready this card at the end of each rebel activation. So you are getting. Uh, Quite a nice wow. uh, rerolls for once, so once, once per rebel activation. Amazing! That's so amazing. I, I don't even know what to say about this. I mean, there. I, I want to buy aside from the one XP cards. I want to buy every single card in this deck, and I don't have any XP to do the, to do that because all of them are so great. It's amazing. I mean, it's just interestingly enough. It does mean that some things like. Stormtroopers, um, uh, <laughs> sort of their main main. Uh, well, they they have the benefit though. Of course, they're typically more figures, and thus they attack more than once during an activation. Um, so so they would still benefit a bit. But but I mean, rerolls are so awesome. And I think wasn't it Todd that said in in the interview we made with him uh, back in August that his favorite. Um, his favorite ability were rerolls, and and this is definitely uh, hitting yeah, that sweet spot. Yeah, because it adds so much consistency to to your attacks, and it it takes the edge off of uh, doing an activation and not getting done anything. And this this 
at least on the attacking dice side, it solves much of this problem. So, I, <sighs> I think it's a very, very elegant way that they've balanced it. That A, you can only do it with one of your figures if you have several figures in a deployment group. And B, if you have more <laughs> deployment groups than there are rebels, which is happening sometimes but not that often yeah, then you, run you don't of, get the yeah. you run out of that benefit so you can't sit and wait to attack with your your uh, necessarily with your biggest hits in the end uh, of the round yeah but this but this deck but this deck is also i mean this deck plays with with villains and and having one figure dealing dealing more damage like like free yeah. two or three uh at uh dice attacks with bonus damages and whatnot so this I think this works quite well for that. And it's certainly of course good. there's a number of figures with brutality, which yeah, then yeah, have the, the yeah, choice okay. of whether to reroll that first roll or uh, yeah, whether they think sure. the second one will be even worse. But uh, yeah, but if you reroll the first roll, you, you're probably done enough for the round. So <laughs> you're attacking it two times anyway, so it's yeah, it's, but on two different targets, already. of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice okay, stuff. so. Um, Next one is Devastating Legion. Whose turn is it now? Is it mine? Yes. No, yes. it's it's sure. Parsi's. Yeah, let's well, do let's do Parsi. Well, I can I can do two in a row. <laughs> oh, okay. Last one was yet. Okay, do it anyway. Uh, Devastating Legion. While a rebel figure within three spaces of a villain is defending, you may apply minus one block or minus one evade to the defense results, and that's another four XP card. And it's not bound by any exhaustion or any any anything really, yeah. other than the free spaces. Oh, I I, lo- I love that the, minus one evade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 again, it's one of the most amazing cards I have ever seen. And the beauty and is, if you don't need the one evade, you just take away a block. Yeah, and the the really bad thing about this card is is that the next card is even better. And I, I I can't get it into my head. So let's get over to the next card. Uh, All right. Yeppe. All right. Let me close this with Indomitable. It has three different elements. The first one is villains, and it's not an attachment, so it's all of them. Villains cannot receive harmful conditions, and that is just the most beautiful thing. The second part is exhaust this card when an attack targeting a villain is declared to add one black die to that villain's defense pool. That is so beautiful. And last but not least, if you thought you'd run out of black dice, you can use one threat to use when an attack targeting a villain is declared to ready this card. So even if you've used it on a previous attack, you can use a threat to refresh it and then exhaust it on a, another attack in the same round. That's... I uh, I mean, I... <laughs> it's it's even I I don't know where to start. This is this is an amazing card. It, it I want to try to buy it, but <laughs> I want to try to buy all the other cards too. So this that's is what you don't want Darth Vader, right? So he's very yeah, very hard God. to kill. You cannot slow him down, and you How get you extra going movement to get points through three 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 black dice and one reroll. That's I mean, he's 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 invincible. He doesn't even need the harmful condition part because he doesn't get any damage anyway. So <laughs> that's amazing. I I don't know what to say. That's uh, unfortunately you don't win missions with one figure. That's true, but you can wreck face with it, <laughs> and that's all I want. 
I don't know. I don't know how many. I don't know how many actions Vader needs to uh, to to defeat all the figures. Yeah, it's it's certainly. I mean, that this card is going going to get stronger. The stronger your your deployed villain is, right? So if you have a if you save up your threat and you you deploy, let's say, the Royal Guard Champion or Vader, and use this card with them, they are certainly going to get much more powerful because you cannot get rid of them and they get so much. I mean, Vader has brutality. The Royal Guard Champion has the the stuff where he can move two spaces and attack again once once per round. If another figure is defeated, so this is this is getting crazy for them. The weaker your your p- most powerful villain on the map is, the weaker this card also gets because uh, probably the the, the rebels will ignore your your villain and try to do other stuff. And so this card is sitting there doing nothing. I mean, but that's you why you will make... have two or three villains there. That's also true. Yeah, you can do, deploy more than one, and then then it's really interesting. Okay, and you, so you, of course you can only get the discount on uh, on some of them, but uh. sure, sure, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the at the end of the campaign, you can get two two different kind of dis- discounts, and you're basically spending six fret or so for both of the villains, and that's that's also good. So I mean, yeah. Okay. Uh, any anything to add to this card, to this amazing card and this amazing deck? I, I mean, it's I'm going to play it, and I think it's the 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 most innovative and the most amazing deck I've seen so far in a, in an Imperial Assault uh, box. I mean, the other ones were pretty good, but this is just through the roof. I can't wait can't wait to play with it. So. I have a principle not to play with a deck more than once, and even when I've played a cross from a deck, so I've yeah, played a rebel, too. I don't play it, and I already regret that policy, and I have might have to make it to to rewrite it because I'm already regretting my choices. Because here's the thing: I I usually we started we started the day before yesterday we started our uh, Java campaign, and usually I prepare my agenda deck and my class in advance because then we don't have to spend time on it, um, but. Um, I do know that I'm not meant to choose it until the rebel heroes have chosen some of their things they need to do in the campaign setup, but I don't mind giving them the advantage of me not picking based on what they're doing. But somehow I, um, you know, what with the baby and setting things up and whatnot, I had not picked my agenda decks yet completely. I had narrowed it down to a, a certain number of things and I still needed to get rid of some. And I think agenda decks and class is always important as the Imperial player, but it's maybe even more important here because I think you're interested in maybe taking uh, a number of side missions where you can you can get uh, villains as well. Um, so in a, uh, suddenly it got a bit late because we were starting late and they took like one and a half hours discussing back and forth about what to play and, and I was sort of in a rush, so I ended up picking Bosk and the Royal Guard Champion. And the Royal Guard Champion was totally out of nostalgia. I love how they thematically allow us to 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 recycle all content with this deck. But the Royal Guard Champion and Bosk is not a very good combo because they're both very expensive. And the problem is, if you look at long term, you can do interesting things, but you have to be aware that you, you only have limited options with this deck early on with the threat level is low. Um, and then the traits can be important, and they have the same traits, more or less, uh, the Royal Guard Champion and, and Boss. And I don't know when I'll get to actually put them in play. 
So um, I felt like I was basically without a uh, a class deck during the first mission, but uh, I look forward to see what I can do later. And you keep thinking, okay, what if I'd pick this instead of that? And I even regret not taking Darth Vader because even though he's much more expensive, he's just so awesome, and he's the freaking guy on the back of uh, of this deck, the the illustration even. But somehow I just felt he wasn't. Makes strange to say that I didn't feel he belonged on Tatooine because, of course, that's where Anakin is from. But uh, yeah, I, I hadn't read through the mission, so I didn't know if it would be really weird with Darth Vader showing up all of a sudden. I don't, I don't want to influence you, but uh, since you have only played one campaign, I assume you only have included one of your two villains into I your have. deck. I have correct. So yeah, theoretically, you could still switch out the other one yeah. for a replacement. So that's not just going throwing to, it out I there. don't think it's going to fly with my rebels because they're out for blood. I, <laughs> I, I you're playing this the first time, so <laughs> I would I would be lenient on that. But I give my my rebels also kind of slack when they are first playing some 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 heroes and they're getting the abilities wrong or trying to buy the the wrong the wrong XP cards for for stuff they they th- they think work other uh in in other ways so i'm yeah i'm so, i'm just generally thinking right now that it's it's good for me to sort of have uh, hammered myself a bit and then i'll have to see if i can uh, if i can claw back from that um uh. yeah okay so uh this is the nemesis class deck it's amazing yeah go get the box and play it that's all i can say and I, I probably will take Greedo and the Inquisitor for my my villains because I think they are uh, threat wise they fit in very nicely. So you can deploy in the first two missions you, you can deploy Greedo and then you can deploy the the Inquisitor and at the later stages you can deploy both and and they are both very high damage. They have white tie, so <laughs> I'm going to be rolling dodges all the way, so no problem there. <laughs> And we'll see how it how it how it goes. So I have them both like in my agenda deck, so I do the mission. So I do hope yeah, that yeah, I get the yeah. chance to to play with them at least for one mission at some point. Yeah. Okay. Let's move over to the com- uh, to the companion cards real quick, and we have two new companions, uh, both of which are very interesting. And I think one of them has a special place in the campaign, and the other one has a special place in some of the decks. So, um, first of all. Uh, the first new companion we get is the pit droid. He has the trait, uh, the, the ability useful. You can ret- retrieve crates. Adjacent heroes can interact with crates that you are carrying. He also has shiny. If you are on the map, uh, at the end of the mission, heroes gain 50 credits. He has a health of 3, a speed of 4, a white defense die, and no attack. And the interesting thing is how to get it. Uh, let's go over You get to... him through the supply deck. So in the supply deck, in the new supply deck cards, which we go over in a different episode then, there is a new card you can draw, which is called Pit Droid. And it's called, it's, it says, place the Pit Droid companion in your space. And the Pit Droid activates at the start or end of your activation. So it basically sits in a crate. And once you open the crate, the droid jumps out and he helps you gobble up more crates. So <laughs> I think it's amazing. And it also gives you. It's another. It's another one of these uh, crit items that increase your your credits per uh, per mission theoretically because he he's worth uh, his crate is worth one hundred credits because fifty for the crate and fifty for himself unless you lose him of course but you shouldn't because he's shiny uh, so I like it he's certainly uh, a good addition to the supply deck 
But um, the interesting th- thing is the next companion, which, uh, Yepa, you want to go over the next companion? <laughs> that is uh, Salacious B. Crumb, the one and only. And uh, he is uh, the little guy you probably remember from sitting on. I was about to say he's giving a lap dance to Jabba the Hutt, but I think more he's like he's, uh, he's uh, just teasing everyone and uh, Princess Leia especially. He has a health of six, a speed of three, and he has a ability called Swipe. When you activate in or enter a space containing a hostile figure, it suffers one damage. Limit once per figure per round. And then he has a special action called Scratch. Choose an adjacent hostile figure. That figure suffers one damage. And we do know that you can have him as a skirmish upgrade, so uh, he can be attached to your figure in the skirmish. I don't know about Jabba's Realm, but I would be surprised if he doesn't appear in some of the missions at some point. Spoiler alert: He does appear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a you cannot you cannot choose to to use him in any mission in Jabba's Realm in the Jabba's Realm campaign, but he does appear at least once. I think either way, I think he does appear at least once, and um, you can control him. Then, control him then, of course. But he's more like he, he more adds to the flavor. Not his impact is rather low, I think. <laughs> but certainly, I, I will I will very much like to play him and even method act him. So <laughs> I think the method acting even you yes. jump on the table and uh... <laughs> yes, grow, grow long ears and 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 a beak and claws. Of, yeah, okay. I, but I think the fact that he can do unstoppable damage here and there is. Uh... It's not bad. It's not. He's a, he's especially interesting in skirmish, yeah. considering that in skirmish, uh, dealing damage without having to to roll attacks against uh, against defense die can be very good, and is generally very good. So now, so he does damage when he moves into the same space as people, and that brings me to you, Parsi, because there's one question I've seen pop up a lot lately with more companions to the game, and you've certainly been amongst the people who've uh, been explaining this again and again, because in the companion part in the new rules, as well as in those from Bespin, it says that a figure does not pay an extra movement point for moving on top of a companion. So the question that I see over and over again, and I've seen you respond to quite a few times, is what if the companion moves into a space with their ordinary figure? Well, it has to pay the extra cost if it's hostile. Yeah. yeah. I'd also say so. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we have companions now for more than half a year. I think this should be very clear yeah. that companion has to pay an additional point of movement point to enter a space containing a hostile figure. I do, be, I do not disagree. I just see the question yeah. popping up a lot. The, the question I have, Parsi, do you know why companions still get traits? Because I... From what I understand, um, traits are basically useless on them uh, in both skirmish and the campaign because you cannot interact with the traits at all. You cannot play command cards. Well, why not that focus on their? If you have something that it doesn't require an attack or uh, similar, you should be able it to play it on them. Uh, the rest, I, I think sure the that... restriction is on uh, class cards and item cards and and what else. But I don't remember command oh, so... cards. So anything command card goes okay. Yeah, then yeah. then I misremembered that. Okay, then it then it's then it's okay that they. But can agenda still get cards traits. are also not prohibited, are they? 
Um, I don't have the... T- actually, I have the text by me. I should just open the book and have a look. Because <laughs> I, I remember there were some exceptions, and I remember Command Cards was one. And that means you can do some funky stuff with the Junk Droid, for instance. Uh, <laughs> but that's... That's another story. Uh, uh, speak, yeah, okay. We, we will get over the, the junk droids when we talk about the new uh, reinforcement wave with uh, oh, Hera yeah, the, oh, the junk and droids the are, that That's from from the previous one. Uh. Yeah. Okay. So it's clear that uh, that I, that I misremembered stuff. But in the campaign, usually the traits can, are basically useless because you can not meaningfully interact can, with them. Maybe even through agendas, but. It, it reads the bullet point in the companion segment in the rules reads that yeah. a companion cannot interact and it says and cannot use abilities on class item or supply cards. So agenda cards and command yeah, cards I think that's FAQ territory because I think in the spirit of the game they also want to restrict uh, agenda cards on there. But that's just me. I, I just feel that that's the intention but... I would be surprised if they've just missed those two obvious categories of things that can. Uh, uh, I've, okay. Yeah. Oh well, but it's. Uh, I don't know what our our uh, rule sage, uh, what your take on is for agenda cards and command cards. I don't see a problem un- unless you show me some very nasty agenda card. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, that's it for game discussion this uh, episode because uh, we want to get through this episode quite quickly because there's still a lot of a lot to talk about so uh, with that we go over to play experiences yep you have something to tell about us yes because uh, you've been quite busy on discord <laughs> i've been playing a lot the last uh, weeks um First, I've uh, with my campaign group, we've finished off the fan-made campaign I've talked about uh, previously. It's uh, just four mission long, and it's there are a couple of fan-made campaigns out now. But this was uh, for a few more credits, which is um, put a lot of work into it because there are also four specific characters made for it that you can only play in this campaign, and you actually play as as bounty hunters, uh, so you're scum rather than uh, than rebels. Um, and uh, it has a lot of interesting things, and, and I was thinking maybe just to um, and brief some overall um, impressions of it is that um, it seems like a lot of the abilities in it are completely out of whack for balance, but somehow all our missions have still ended up uh, being incredibly close, um, and that's just been fun, and I think we've had so much fun playing it um, I think also because it's it's fan made and you can see it's a little bit rough around the edges, full of love but also a bit rough around the edges um, so we've had just a blast playing it because we've maybe had less of a, an investment in who wins and loses because it, it's clear that it's maybe not as balanced as the official content is. But it's still amazing right? So yeah it, it is and I think that they've done an amazing job of it I actually think they could have used someone like uh, Parsi to give them some pointers on how to word rules because there's a number of rules that they're so close in using something you know and then you know how to interpret it but then they use a completely different wording so you're not quite sure how to uh, interpret it so um, they could have used some feedback on that I don't know if there's anything on on their uh, on the material they've made but I just have to say that the final mission was a was very very fun um, there are probably more of them but the one we played was played entirely on 
uh, a homemade map. So basically, you had to print the pieces. I think it could have been <laughs> maybe better to use uh, official tiles, but that's okay. But the hilarious thing is, you've got a bounty on a certain rebel hero. So you've boarded this uh, rebel cruiser of some sort, and you have to fight your way to this rebel hero. Um, and it happens to be that um, all the people there are the friend of this rebel hero, and it's basically the six heroes from the base game. So it's just. <laughs> trip down. Uh, it's a trip down memory lane, except you have to kill all the characters that probably the most of us have seen the most in campaigns because they've been in the game since it it launched, and uh, it gets crazy, crazy, crazy territory towards the end with a lot of things happening that um, suddenly makes it unclear who's fighting against whom and why, and there are some funky uh, wind conditions. But it was uh, it was hilarious, and 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 yeah. Just some of, especially one of the mercenaries, uh, so the ones you play as a kind of hero, it was very overpowered, and I'm impressed with our uh, um, counterpart who played not the Empire, but basically everything else, how he managed to still make the games very close, despite... um, uh, We had basically a guy who could throw a grenade once every round, and it did two red damage and two yellow to everything around it. So one <laughs> one area and two, everything adjacent. I think we're looking two red and a yellow. Two 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 reds and two yellows. So two, pot- <laughs> so wow. a potential of eight damage to uh, all targets on or adjacent. It, you basically just eradicate whatever the imperial player puts up. Uh, <laughs> crazy ability. Um, but anyway, that was uh, that was hilarious. Um, so this week we then moved on to Jabba's realm, and funnily enough, there were some elements in the first mission of Jabba's realm that. Uh, looks like something that these guys who made the fan made have been playing with, but it's just perfected in in uh, Jabba's Realm. There's Twist, which I won't uh, go into detail with, but uh, that was fun, and I'm so excited being uh, being uh, on Jabba's Realm now. It looks and 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 uh, it's just really funny. I I had a bit of trouble with my uh, convincing my uh, rebel counterparts to play something else than the, than the, the the four they've played forever: Finn, Gideon, Diala, and then they were changing the fourth character. But basically, they kept those three constant, and it was because they were knowing them well and they were good at playing them. But they also got to the point where they didn't think any of the other characters worked, and I thought it was getting a bit boring seeing the the same faces all the time and they were very dismissive of uh, some of the new characters but by a twist of fate they actually ended up playing um, both uh, Vinto and Shyla and I have to say those two are performing really well um, Shyla as well as I had expected and Vento maybe even a little bit better I think in terms of controlling objectives and doing your mission um, what they do is just amazing so uh, that's going to be an interesting challenge um, going forward. Yeah, that's. That, I mean, I've I've read through all of the Jawas Run campaign guide until now. And I think some of the missions are <laughs> pretty heavily tilted in the rebels' favor. Maybe I'm just reading it wrong, but we will see. Uh, what I also saw is that the the uh, how you gain XP. In this campaign, I mean, it's it's the same as the other campaigns, but the amount is pretty different. So it's not as it's not as clear like it was in the in the previous campaigns. But uh, to counteract this, I think the, um, you also get more often than not you get some bonus rewards if you manage to to clear some of the side objectives. Yeah, yeah. They're like soft, or, soft or, or rewards. Even, or, 
Yeah, soft rewards. Yeah, so I think the snowball in this campaign is is rather much, 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 much uh, less than in and like the other campaigns. But it's still, I think the possibility is still there. So I'm not sure how if we are going to play with the house rule uh, to award full um, rewards after you lost the story mission for the next story mission, of course. But maybe we'll do, maybe we'll not. I'm not sure. Since the rewards work a bit differently in Java's Realm, we're probably not going to do that, at least in the first go-around. So. Yeah, we play every Tuesday, so uh, I'll tell you in three months how it works out. So it's, it's basically because <laughs> of the number of, of missions. Yeah, me too, yeah. Um, yeah. Next week we're playing a side mission, and we actually tend to, with a side mission, to take out the missions any of us have played before. So we're now going way, way back in time and playing Imperial Entanglements, which came out with Han Solo. So that's one of the yeah, first things that came out. So it'll be design-wise also interesting to see a, a mission that feels like the ancient history, even though, I mean, it's... Uh, less than two years old, but but still, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's uh, that'll be fun to uh, to see. Um, yeah, so a lot of campaign, and that is really nice to to carry on with. And then I've been able to play so many games on uh, Vassal. So Vassal, as we've talked of many times, is this platform where you can play online. And uh, I think I've ended up playing like twenty to maybe close to 30 games since New Year's, so that's been amazing. Um, and it's also amazing to play with, like I've played with people in England and uh, in France and uh, uh, someone from Spain as well, and it's just, and I see it's getting momentum, also introducing a number of the local uh, players to playing it on Vassal. Um, and we've then also been expe- uh, experimenting with the, with the new wave and with the new way of scoring points so I mentioned earlier that I had tried to take the the consequences of the new scoring rules to the extreme so I made a list with Vader and the Inquisitor and Shyla so basically I only had three figures and I wanted to see if we are now in a situation where hedging your points so they're very difficult for the opponent to get to whether that is a very strong strategy now I have to take into account that I needed to adjust to playing this very different list and also especially to use the passing rule much more than the, not passy but passing um, much, <laughs> much more uh, proactively um, and it, it's been quite interesting I have to say I fairly quickly gave up on Shyla as amazing as she is I wanted to reposition enemies for Vader to tear them apart and then I put in very befittingly Vader's finest elite jet troopers instead of Shyla so I still only have three activations but now I have uh whopping massing uh, four figures on the board um, so I've been struggling a bit I haven't won as many games but I have to say I've been playing against some very good players uh, one of them was top four at the uh, Rich uh, which uh, I believe was top four at the UK Nationals and uh, um, been uh, doing very well and uh, been playing a lot with his YouTube channel uh, as a uh, record of that um, for for watching his games and, and I think in some of the games even though he he may have won more of those when I played this Vader uh, Inquisitor list I gave him a very good run for his money and uh, yeah I, I watched one of these games uh, I think on on the ISB headquarters map yeah and in it worked very well I mean the 
it came, in this game it came down to, to to dice luck that you didn't roll a single block I think on the Inquisitor. I had I had I had uh, I had four defenses. four blanks in a row on my Inquisitor in that game. Yeah, and we have a yeah, so yeah yeah that's 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 certainly a bit of bad luck. But uh, on the other hand, then uh, wrecking face with Vader and then focused uh, uh, jet troopers, uh, it's amazing. So I. I can see this working, even though it's just four figures and three activations. It's it's crazy that it's uh, against the list that had uh, how many activations did he have? Seven, four, probably five, five, six seven. or seven, six or seven. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was three three regular Trinotions, Bosk, Shyla, and some other stuff. I think yeah, whatever. So it's it was enough. So it was much more than the than the three you had, and it still didn't look one sided. It was very close, so, so I... Yeah, sorry. No, no, okay, carry on. Yeah, so I, I think the new changes very much contributed to this fact that he he, he couldn't really run away, away his, his wounded Trandoshans to secure points or to not let you score any points because you scored the points when they, you defeated them and they got defeated quite quickly by Veda and the, um, the Jet Troopers. So I, I think it's... A very a very good display of what the new rules can do. So, yeah. So I I um, as a sort of parallel in X Wing, uh, what used to be a problem a couple of years ago were that if you had basically a big ship um, like a Millennium Falcon rather than small ships like Tie Fighters, it's somewhat parallel to either having one big expensive figure or having several small cheaper figures. The problem was that the big figure could kill. Like if let us say that the big figure does uh, nine damage, that's enough to kill three elite stormtroopers. So you get points for uh, no, it's not. It's enough to kill three ordinary stormtroopers. So you get points for each one of those. So your increments to translate damage into points is smaller. You need less damage. Whereas if you have to kill the big ship, or in this case Darth Vader, you get one damage, you don't earn more points. One more damage, you don't earn any more points. You only earn points the moment you've done 16 damage. And more so, you even have to apply more effort to get the damage in because he has uh, two defense dice, for instance. Um, so in, in uh, X-Wing, that translated to the so-called fat hand meta, where certain ships were dominating the game because they were basically a point bank. You couldn't really get to the points, and when the game was done because it was on time, you might have done as much damage to them as they had to you, but you lost because you lost ships when you've taken enough damage. And I was wondering whether we could risk seeing something with uh, the, the similarity in Imperial Assault, and that's why I wanted to try that list. I don't think the list I played is a very good idea for a a uh, top tier tournament I think if you play you have to change your uh, completely your idea of how you play for instance I always had the idea that you have to strike fast and early so whenever you have initiative um, in a later round in the game you have to immediately go and attack with this list I often passed even if I could have maybe gone and get one attack in and even if I know my opponent come and, uh, will come and attack me and I can't prevent it I had to still allow them to do that so that once I moved and did stuff, I did it more efficiently so I could deal more damage. So you have to play it very differently. Um, what I did with that list was to use a lot of the cards that's come out to help, actually, I think, Vader, like Unshakable, that allows you to get rid of stuns, which is his 
greatest nemesis I was about to say and also <laughs> stuff like Channel the Force that allows you to get the cards that are so important to feed uh, stuff like Vader or the Inquisitor and those cards have been in the game for I think a, uh, quite a while half a year or a year but they haven't really changed the fact that people don't uh, very few people at least managed to use stuff like Vader uh, competitively. So I thought with this point change, maybe this is the time where Vader can start shining again. And I think he can, but I still think it's maybe a better idea to put him together with other stuff than just two other deployment cards. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm still not... A f- because that's the main difference between this and X-Wing, in, is that in X-Wing, you don't have objectives, so you cannot get points from other means. You can do that in Imperial Assault. If you are denied the points from your enemy's figures, you can typically at least score some of them through objectives. And a list like just Vader and two other deployment cards can't really hold down objectives. And secondly, in Imperial Assault, we can fairly reliably get to shoot at things, where in X-Wing, there's the whole maneuvering part, whether you even manage to to direct your firing arc at the opponent. Um, so I, I'm not afraid of us getting a so-called fat hand or a fat Vader symptom in uh, in Imperial Assault. Um, I still don't think it's a good idea to, to lump it all together in just three deployment cards, but it's nice that it's possible now, and it's fun to yeah. try out. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking too, that because uh, Imperial Assault has objectives and has other ways to get uh, victory points, the, the possibility of, of uh, single very high cost figures dominating the meta isn't really there because you you lose control over the battlefield and that's also worth something in imperial sword while it isn't worth anything in in x-wing so yeah i i think i think it, the 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 change is really really good and it came out of the blue for me even though because the, because the meta before was already interesting it was already already quite varied and open but with this it's it's a completely new dimension I think, we actually so. talked about this on the podcast back in november because yeah, yeah. Uh, we heard a rumor out of, a world, rumor. <laughs> uh, of it so we addressed yeah. it and we were like yeah that's possible but uh, probably not but uh, here it is it is both, both possible is, and yeah. most definitely here um, yeah. but i have to say about the objectives the thing is if there are objective points to be gotten off the board it also means that your enemies have to go there and that's where Vader is going to be uh, tearing you to pieces. So yeah, even though he sure. doesn't want the objective because he's it's beneath him carrying around a big box of stuff, he can tear things to pieces that are there for sure. It reminds me of the last scene in Rogue One. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the objective exactly. and Vader. <laughs> that's amazing. But I think just one last uh, point on on this change. I think it's not. I think it's not a coincidence that with the same month where we get these changes is the same month that Jabba hit the streets. And Jabba came with a ton of incredibly strong spike or surge damage cards for especially the hunters and smugglers. So it's possible to do a lot of spike damage. And those things are a threat to any figure, but they may be potentially even more of a threat to figures that have their health gated behind strong defenses like those with two dice or a die yeah. plus a, a passive defense. Um, so I think that, and there's been no mention of this, I think, in the articles about the changes or some of the discussions, that I think it's actually an interesting way for them to say, okay, you can go play with your big figures now. There's a, there's a way for you to do that because uh, points now are, are scored differently. But also know that the big figures are actually not as, uh, I was about to say, indomitable 
to use the the name of the card from uh, the Nemesis deck as they used to be because I, I I mean I've seen Vader die in two rounds of combat and that was not even to a hunter list that was a uh, a uh, jet trooper or uh, a jet trooper uh, dewback uh, list that just got the right cards at the right time showing that command cards win you skirmish games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's the I think that the change has blown the matter even more open than it already yeah, was. And I, and that's a good thing. And I think it's sneakily that those two things actually balance the game in two directions at the same time, which probably opens it up in, uh, yeah, in, in width. Yeah. Okay, so I haven't played anything. I mean, I have played one session uh, of our Hoth campaign, but um, we still have one mission to go before we start um, Jabba's Realm. So nothing new to report. The half campaign we are doing is pretty interesting with uh, the Imperial player playing technological superiority, which combines very well with Sorin and the tank and all of the good stuff. So I, it's interesting and it's very hard for the Rebels, for uh, which I'm also playing. But um, nothing major new to report, I think. So, Pazi, uh, do you want to, to add one of... Did you play Imperial Assault in the last few days or weeks? Uh, I just started the play-by-fall final of Winter okay. to Hot, but otherwise, otherwise the puzzle uh, module and uh, everything has taken out of time. And okay. And we, so you haven't. Our, our group you, also uh, has sort of uh, missed one player, so. We haven't been, been playing. Yeah. Assault, uh, so, you, so you you haven't you haven't started uh, Chabo right now, correct? No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So me too, me, me me also not. So okay. So with that, we will hop on over to Community Watch. Roger, Roger. Which the first the first article I want to highlight this week is um, an article on Rebel High Command. Uh, detailing all of the skirmish stuff uh, of the jet troopers and what to do with them in skirmish and how amazing they are with overrun and other stuff. Uh, also, General Sorin and how he can very, very well um, uh, synergize with the jet troopers. It's a good article. And uh, even though uh, it was written before the new point changing stuff was released... It's still relevant because the jet troopers are certainly one of the more agile and uh, harder hitting figures that we have in recent uh, times. So check it out. It has some some good statistics on how to how how likely you can hit certain damage potential on certain um, defense dice, including silo technique or so. They're, I think they're incredibly effective. And I remember when this entire wave was announced, there's not a lot of talk about them, except some even maybe being a little bit disappointed. Yeah. And I, I remember being curious on them, but I hadn't realized even then how strong they are, especially the elite and especially with uh, Vader's finest uh, attached to them. Yeah, so the next uh, thing I want to highlight is the um, the forum uh, post or the forum thread for the Tabletop Admiral updates. So the guy who is writing the, uh, the site or who is managing the site has uh, published a changelog and planned changes and stuff. You can also leave uh, comments there, what you want to see in the on the site and um, stuff he might might want to include or so. 
so if you have some suggestions on what can be changed or what how how the the site can be better sorry uh, i have the hiccups now um if you have some suggestions for him uh head on over to the forum post and leave your comments there i'm sure he is watching the thread and he will uh take your stuff into consideration i he already did it for my cons- my uh edition so um even though Development might take a while, but uh, it's going to be there eventually. So head on over and make the site even better than it already is. Then uh, we have a podcast I forgot to 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 mention for the longest time. I think um, it's called New Orders, and it's uh, about Imper- competitive Imperial Assault Two. I think they don't talk about the campaign, correct? I haven't. Li- I only have listened to the first episode, and I think they only talk about skirmish. And they have about, I think they have about three episodes right now, or four, mm, don't know, M- maybe even more. And you should check them out. It's another uh, source of um, skirmish discussion, and it's certainly worth considering. And you can, the, there's a forum thread on the FFG forums, and you can, there you can uh, um, subscribe to it via iTunes and Overcast, and they have a homepage. And of course, they have a SoundCloud homepage and whatnot. So head over, listen in. They're certainly happy to hear from you and have have you listened to them. So then this week also we had a change on the FFG forums where the forums were merged with the SMOD forums, which prompted two threads already that all changes are bad, <laughs> which was very funny to me. Uh, the new the new design is basically almost identical to the old design and all of the other stuff works almost identical so i haven't noticed any major change so if you if you are happy with it if you if you have a, had a user account on both of the forums Asmodees and ffg forums right now it's only one login again so you only need to log in once and then you are logged into all of the Asmodees um forums but uh, if not, if you only had an FFG account, nothing changed really, only that you can also access with the same account the SMDs forums now. So there's really really nothing to complain about, I think. So it's just a, a slight visual update and the other stuff basically just stayed the same. So I have a complaint. You have a complaint? <laughs> yeah. Go tell. Yeah. We lost the signature feature. And, uh, oh, there are no signatures anymore. Yeah, so... Now I can't just point to my signature. That oh, that's look bad. Look at yeah. the attack resolution order from there. Yeah. Oh, that's. Uh, I sh- maybe maybe it's just turned off because it might. Mm. Yeah, they may be still uh, migrating. Maybe they maybe they'll enable it in the future because that's something. Yeah, I mean I don't really need it, but yeah, it's certainly nice to to point to to certain uh, for. What's the cat doing? Uh, it's certainly nice to point to your signature when you are pointing to specific threads like your uh, attack order, um, resolution stuff. It's maybe they consider enabling it again if, if we pester them enough. Okay, and the last item on Community Watch is the Vassal um, modules for both the campaign and skirmish. The campaign module, which Parsi is actually the author of, uh, is already out. Since when is this? Since today or yesterday? Yeah, maybe for the four days. 
Okay, so since this week, so uh, the new update, I think, includes all of uh, Jabba's Realm. So all of the cards, all of the missions, I think, too. Well, all the comp- campaign stuff. All the campaign yeah. stuff. Okay, yeah. And uh, the skirmish module is also expected soon. Uh, I think it might be stuck in moderation because... Um, do, did you talk to Trevor? Did you already upload it? Uh, no, I haven't seen anything, but... Uh... Okay. The moderation. I mean, the moderation um, should take only a day, day or so. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, one of the players of the tournament, Trevor, he's also the author of the skirmish um, module, and he he told me uh, in a private conversation that the the module will be ready for the start of the tournament. The official start of the tournament is on Tuesday. From now on, we are recording this on a Thursday, so. It's only a few days more, and uh, I expect the, the new model, module to show up any day now. So, if it hasn't already, I haven't checked today, so maybe it's out already. So, uh, take a look at the, the vessel page and the, um, uh, the Imperial Salt vessel page, and you should find both the modules there. Okay, uh, that's it for Community Watch. And we have a last item today, which is uh, rules clarification. But you are not a Jedi yet. And I, I have to bring this up again. Um, a user mailed in again because he was uh, directing my attention to the four-player map from Java's Realm. Why can't I do the... Okay, whatever. Uh, from Java's Realm. And about the... The resolution of the, the end of round effect. If you control a terminal, you choose a space and roll a green die. And he sent in a, a question. Okay. So he said that the, the text in the mission itself reads for each turret, a team controls that team chooses a space and rolls one green die. Each figure in each of the chosen spaces simultaneously suffers damage equal to the damage results. And since there are eight terminals on the map, you can have eight turrets and roll up to eight dice. And the the thing that isn't clear is if you if you control more than one turret and choose for uh, for each turret you control, you choose the same space. If this is even possible, or you have to choose different spaces for each turret, and then. How to actually roll for the damage? Do you then roll one die and this damage um, is applied to all of the spaces or you roll uh, one die for each space you chose? And if you can overlap the spaces, how to to resolve this for the space you chose to attack with two turrets? So, Pazit, do you have any insight on this? Well, I have. I don't have anything definite, but uh, to, to, okay. me it, to me the ant is pretty clear there. So you choose okay. choose, a, choose a space and roll a die. So that's okay, th- so that's the uh, that's the atom there, and then you do it for each turret. So you can you can choose for each turret. You can choose the same space and then you roll for each time a turret shoots. You roll a die. Basically, what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I figured that's what I mean. But he he of course um, he said that. This would also lead to gameplay that is not as enjoyable enjoyable as by the end of round two, a team can use turrets to eliminate a twelve point figure. I'm he, basically he means you can you can shoot you can focus fire with the turrets if you control them uh, onto like Vader, and 
this is damage that isn't blocked by its defense, so it I, certainly can lead to very weird, weird outcomes. But that's the good reason to not to let the okay. opponent exactly. to control them. Exactly. Okay, yeah. So I, I yeah. think first of all, sure. I think that is an extreme corner case for you to be able to do that. And of course, rolling 12 damage, you still have to actually roll it. So 12 is the absolute maximum you can get. And that's the absolute yeah. maximum you can get if you somehow manage to control all of the turrets, and you you manage to roll double damage with all the dice. Um, I think it's a fairly big map, and um, uh, it can be a little bit difficult to maybe get close enough to fight at certain stages, but the turrets force you to to not sit somewhere and uh, basically wait out the game. I could see especially... I think maybe you can also play this as free-for-all. I haven't played on the new four-player map yet, but it definitely negates any risk of anyone trying to turtle up in a corner because that gives everyone else a uh, impetus to to <laughs> to focus their gun at them. Yeah. Uh, and as, as Pasha said, basically the idea is to avoid that happening. That's part of the strategy of, of the of the map so it's yeah. something you have to play to the knowledge of knowing that and I can see why someone playing this map for the first time can get thoroughly surprised and bushwhacked and that, but I think that goes for a lot of uh, of the different uh, missions in the two player maps as well uh, so mm. I think it creates some ge- some generally uh, generally interesting strategic choices but it's something definitely something you have to be aware of it's it's just a just a little bit different than you would otherwise play a map like this. So yeah, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's more of a risk if you play teams uh, two versus two rather than free for all. But uh, yeah, that's. I mean, but if you play two versus two, then the most you can you can you can deal is like maybe twelve damage around. and then the well, other team twelve is definitely the most. I mean, I I think. I would be surprised if anyone ever manages to do 12 damage with this in a round. Yeah, sure. Yeah. If you look at the map, basically, I don't know if you guys have the map in front of you, but the way it works is that everyone has one turret within reach of their starting area where they deploy. So you have to go very, very far to get to another one in someone else's neighborhood. And then there are four yeah. in the center, so it basically draws the, the game out into the open to fight over those uh, turrets in the center. Yeah, which the four in the center actually, um, they're uh, in a square adjacent to each other. So uh, it's you can control several of them with one figure, but it also makes it very easy to contest all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I, I think you what you said is true that uh, they get um, the map forces you to uh, control, try to control one of the middle uh, terminals. Terminals too, so you cannot uh, bunker into your your starting area and then just use your your one terminal to to snipe out enemy units round by round. So, but I think even though it probably works as it, it seems, just reading the text of it, it never hurts to, as I can see, someone uh, presumably already did to to toss a, a question at uh, poor Todd that he has to, uh, to answer amongst all the other questions. Sure, sure, I mean, yeah. it never. Yeah. I mean, if, you, I, if you're still. It's really nice that they're they're helpful with it, and I, I I really no one should hesitate to send them a question because they're they're very yeah. uh, approachable in that uh, regard. Yeah, if you're still unsure on how to play this map, don't don't hesitate to go over to the Fantasy Flight uh, website and uh, look up how to contact them. There is a, a special email you can send 
for rules questions and you can specify the game, which of course in this case is Imperial Salt. And then the, the email lands directly in the inbox of the Imperial Salt developers and they will uh, reply to you when they have time for, which usually takes like one to two weeks or so, or most most of the time it's within one week, but sometimes it takes a bit longer. So if you're still unsure, send them an email and you'll have the clarification directly from the developers, which should be enough to convince you how the, the map is actually played. Okay, so that's it for rules clarification and also for the episode, which is episode 41 this time. Wow, it's, it's going on. So um, at the end of the show, like always, uh, first our special guest, Pazi, any parting words you want to you want to say? To the listeners, uh, well, have 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 fun playing. Yeah, also, you, probably you also want to again mention your campaign module. Everyone should should download it and play the campaign via Vassal. Yeah, it it um, it was originally for the play by four, but at this time, uh, maybe someone will try it online as well. If you if you yeah. want. If you don't have the players uh, physically there, yeah, yeah, I I have already seen some players use it on the uh, on board game geeks and on Reddit who were using it for online play because some of their friends moved away and they now play via Vassal. Uh, so I think it's a very good substitution, but it's certainly it's certainly not the same as sitting on the table. So uh, playing it uh, on the table is. To me, it's certainly still superior than playing online because the immediacy of the roles and uh, discussions with your opponents are still better if you're on the same table. Same with skirmish, of, of course. Yeah, the amount of uh, if... wine and other drinks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mind playing online, for instance, if you're in the middle of a campaign. <coughs> Stephen! <coughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. No, I know that I yeah. understand that we maybe not be able to, to finish that with, uh, also with uh, the Germans maybe um, yeah. relocating. We will, we will have a discussion about this in the <laughs> upcoming weeks. Um, so, uh, yeah, but for, any, any parting words from you? Well, Actually, more than anything, I'd like to say thank you to Parsi for joining us tonight. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, and also to just say I'm very impressed with the work you do on both board games forum and on the Fancy Flight forum. Always being on the spot, explaining the same things over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes I'm also very impressed with your patience because sometimes you're explaining it to people who are a little bit resistant to um, a good explanation. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's the wisdom I, of the uh, not youth but old old age. Uh, <laughs> the wisdom of the years. <laughs> no, it's it's. It, I mean, there are questions that come up again and again and again. As and as I saw you wrote right, uh, thinking one of our chats maybe on Discord earlier uh, this week that you you, I mean, a lot of it you've done so many times that it's very easy to to do again and again but it's it's a, an incredible service to to either new players or not so new players that are uh confused by there are so many interactions in this game that that you just sometimes you lose the overview and it's great with people like you who are just on the spot uh, helping those who get lost in the rules reference guide yeah oh it's it's fun it's fun for me too 
Okay, so uh, with Jeppe having said his grace, I will also peace out with saying that I'm very, very happy how the tournament has turned out so far, even though we haven't even started. We have uh, over 30 participants, which is amazing. And also uh, a lot of players playing on Discord even before the tournament, trying out new lists, especially with the new rules. And so... I, it, it was very surprising surprising to me to see so many people joining and so many people enjoying playing online, even though, like I said, it's, it might be a bit inferior than playing uh, offline, but it certainly is also a very good way to test out new uh, ideas about the game. I think it's so, it's it's great, and it, I would encourage anyone to try it. I was, I've done a couple of introduction uh, games recently teaching people Vassal, and one person I even found out he didn't even know the skirmish game, so I was also teaching him skirmish while teaching uh, Vassal. And just even though you don't feel comfortable with uh, and familiar with va- the neither Vassal or skirmish, just get at it because people are are friendful, uh, friendly, and helpful. And with the voice chat that we have available on our Discord server, where you can also find people to play with, is uh, really really helpful. Yeah. So join the Discord server at Discord dot me slash bweu and if you haven't got enough of us you can also visit us on facebook where we post um, stuff about imperial salt and also general star wars stuff uh, on the facebook.com slash boardwars.eu and we also have a patreon at patreon.com slash bweu and if you want to reach us directly via email you can do so via podcast at boardwars.eu and with that, I, I'd say we are done for this episode. And I'll have to say bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.